That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. We also talk about drugs, alcohol, recovery, uh, staying motivated, uh, PMA, how to live a positive lifestyle, all that good stuff. And we like to have some fun in the process, so welcome. Uh, if you're first time listening to the show, uh, I'm glad you're here, and uh, we got some good content for you today. Our guest is David Krantz, and uh, David's a health coach specializing in nutritional uh, genomics, um, epigenetics, and the endocannabinoid system. Uh, David also helps people understand how their particular set of genetics influences their nutritional needs, strategies for wellness, uh, and why they might be more susceptible to, uh, to addictive behavior. Uh, before we get to David, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, you can also connect with us on Instagram at realthatsoberguy and on Twitter at Shane Raymer. Um, now, finding the right treatment option for addiction and mental health illness uh, can be tough, and that's why we've continued to partner with Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, Foundation stays true to their mission. They hold high ethical standards, and they provide treatment in a nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. Uh, so generally, in anywhere throughout the country, there's going to be some sort of foundations treatment center um, nearby. Uh, they have individualized treatment plans, uh, and they're focused on relationships, building those relationships uh, for long-term recovery. Um, if you want some uh, information, more information on foundations, their treatment centers, what they have to offer, how they can help you, you can go to foundationshelp.com slash sober guy. That's foundationshelp.com slash sober guy. Or you can just call 833-81-SOBER. It's 833-81-SOBER. You can talk with an admissions coordinator about treatment options that can answer any questions for you and you can get some help for you or your loved one. Uh, let's see. We got a live show coming up at the Hollywood Improv June 23rd with Skylar Stone, uh, Matt McCarthy. We're going to have some other special guests down there as well. Tickets are 10 bucks if you're in the Los Angeles area. Uh, come out, support your recovery, support the recovery community, have a good time. We're going to have some good laughs, tell some good stories, and uh, have some fun. So you can go to improv.com slash Hollywood to get tickets. That's June 23rd, just in the uh, next couple of weeks. It's on a Sunday. Uh, we did it early. I think the show starts at 4.30, uh, so uh, you can be back for Sunday dinner at that. So check that out once again, improv.com slash Hollywood. All right, David Krantz, we're going to try this again because my dumbass didn't hit record the first time. So number one, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hey, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank man, you. I, it's so funny. I, I actually have a new piece of equipment that I'm using, and um, I haven't... Uh, I, I think I said I had never done that before. I think I have done it one time before, but it was years ago. And I'm so glad I caught it right when we started versus about halfway through the conversation. So that's good stuff. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about um, all kinds of good stuff today. I had mentioned uh, um, epigenetics, which I'm still trying to wrap my brain around what the hell that is. And I'm, obviously, we're going to find out from, from your expertise today. Uh, the endocannabinoid system, how that relates to CBD, um, what that looks like uh, from a human being perspective. Um, but first, man, I just kind of wanted to get to know you a little bit. Um, we had spoke a little bit beforehand. Uh, both of us were super big potheads uh, back in the day. Um, let's start here, man. Well, let's do this first. What did you have for breakfast today, bro? <laughs> uh, I actually had some chicken broth that I was cooking overnight and started nice. out my day with some just a big like mug of chicken broth broth really so you just drink the just drink the broth and that's it you just drink the broth yeah i don't do that normally but yeah that's uh, that's what was going on for my kitchen this morning so. does that fill you up like the uh you know it actually did i i huh. had a i had a little bit of like avocado and some, some salad with it uh, like a couple hours later so Got you it. know i had to so breakfast. so how'd you get into epigenetics man where what did that look like where did that start or maybe take us back to before when when you were a big time pothead yeah. So I'll start there because it kind of all ties in. Um, you know, I, I found weed when I was like 14 and, you know, I was, the, I was the kid that wanted to get all my other friends high and wanted, you know, thought everyone should be smoking weed because it would be a better place. Right. Like <laughs> that was my MO. Like, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, really looking back was not using it in, in a healthy way. It was really a way to escape my emotions and kind of, 
you know, distance myself from, from reality. Um, and it wasn't until I was about 25 or so when that actually really hit me and I started to understand that. And it was kind of like there were all these other factors in my life that had just built up. Like I was in this really toxic codependent relationship, uh, not actually a romantic relationship. It was a work relationship. And I just like was really twisted up by it and yeah. realized like, okay, why am I believing this guy when he's telling me I'm a terrible person? Like there must be something actually deeper here going on. Yeah. What an asshole. Is, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so like, right. And it's all tied into that same sense of self-esteem and, mm. and, you know, just self perception that uh, I think drives a lot of addictive behaviors um, and sort of, and so I had this just pressure from all these places uh, really asking me like, all right, what, what's actually going on here with you? And um, yeah, you know, I, I want to mention real quick, cause you bring up such a good point about the fact of you're not demonizing weed or smoking. Weed. I got plenty of homies who smoke plenty of weed and they're functioning and that's, you know, they go to work and they do their thing. There's plenty of people who do that. So it's not so much um, an issue of the substance. And I think once I, once I started to look at that from within, it, it made it easier to help, to learn about myself a little bit. So in other words, just kind of what you're saying, like you figured out that it's not that I'm smoking weed every day, 10 times a day. It's the fact of why am I smoking so much weed? Well, well number one, yes, I like to be high sometimes. I mean, we can get that right out of the way, but there's a lot of underlining issues and it's hard to pull those out if you're high all the time. Does that make sense? Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, I had to sort of use that willpower at first just to be like, all right, I'm, I'm stopping this so I can have yeah. some, some time to think, you know, and um, what ended up happening was what, once I, I did that and I, you know, I guess my, my, we'll talk a little bit about like uh, cognitive function and short term yeah. memory with weed. Um, but for me, <laughs> what's like, that? I forgot. I forgot uh, what you said. <laughs> I all, like, when I stopped smoking, like I realized like, oh shit, I'm way smarter than I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and like that, those faculties just kind of came back online and I got really interested in what was going on in the biohacking space. Um, like the people that are interested in peak performance and, um, you know, like memory champions and, and people that are, um, you know, just interested in like what, how can we take stuff to the next level? And I started listening to a bunch of their podcasts and material and I was, and I started using some of the, the nutrition techniques and some, you know, supplements and stuff and seeing yeah. if I could like get myself back to a place. Well, really like I was trying to just see what was possible and, and, yeah. you know, with my own mind. Um, and, I got really into it and basically just tried to absorb all that stuff, you know, as yeah. best I could. And what ended up happening was like, I, I, I really feel like, um, because I all of a sudden had this kind of extra energy, I had more mental cognition and space to actually like do the psychological work. Um, you know, I started going to therapy the for, for the first time oh. working on myself, but it like all kind of tied together where like, I had uh, really tweaked the way that my, my biology was working uh, for the better. Uh, stopped smoking weed, started eating better, started exercising more, started yeah. um, you know, tracking some things too um, and kind of looking at what's going on under the hood. Um, was that exciting? Really was that exciting for you? Cause I know like the more, the, the, the longer my you know journey goes and the more that I continue to learn about myself and, different things like today I'm going to learn from talking to you about epigenetics and this really cool shit. Like it's exciting to me. Did that, that journey that you're talking about was, was there a lot of excitement there and like, damn, I get to learn and like I'm defrosting my brain and it's not so much about the weed or the alcohol or the drug or whatever it is. It's just about like, damn, I'm on this really cool journey and there's a lot of shit to learn. Yeah, exactly, man. And it's like that, that feedback loop that you start to generate where mm. it's like, oh, I'm actually generating like, you know, I used to really laugh at the idea of like, of like a natural high or getting high on life or, yeah. or something like that. Like that shit's for losers. But like, <laughs> once you actually, I started to experience like, oh, wait, I'm actually generating like all this really positive emotion from just learning and, and from yeah. trying new things and like getting good results from it that just sort of feeds back on itself and, and like pushes things forward yeah. for sure. And that shit's real too, because after like a, a good hard workout, I'll find myself like 
you know, I want to talk like, Hey man, that was a good workout. Huh? Wasn't it? You know, like you're forming a class or whatever, you know, and you do, you get that natural, um, that natural kind of high. And same thing. I was like, back in the day, I would have said, that's, that's probably not possible. And it's stupid. I could just smoke a joint instead or whatever, you know, totally different though. Right. And, you know, actually what, one of the things I've been thinking about lately, and maybe you'll appreciate this is like conversations like this, where you get to be a little bit vulnerable and like talk about your experience and connect with someone who's had a similar experience yeah. creates similar highs, you know, it's totally, that, bro. that sense of connection and, um, like want, and, and you can take that energy and, and like ride with it, you know, like, yeah. like I'll do it, I'll go, you know, do some cool shit after this podcast I'm <laughs> up and elevated. Right. Yeah. Hell yeah. But, uh, so, well, you, so you were kind of getting into, um, you were on this, you're on this journey to a quest to kind of experience more, find more like in, and you started eating better, healthy exercising, cut out the, uh, cut out the wheat, by the way, were you a bong ripper, a blunt smoker, a joint toe? Like what, what was your, I was a joint smoker. I smoked yeah. a lot of joints and a, and a lot of bowls. I, yeah. pre, I, you know, I always liked water pipes, but I never <laughs> really had a good, good collection. That was yeah. something that I'd friends I, I really like joints yeah jo joints <laughs> uh, is like the standard we did a like you know around here blunts were extremely popular at some point so it was always blunts we used to we used to go facial we called it i'm gonna go facial just everyone <laughs> went facial not not bragging about it it's funny it's it's but it, at the same time you know hey i just figured i'd ask so yeah, anyways there was, was a lot of blunts in high school for me a lot of like <laughs> yeah in a car and cruising around the blunt and like the, you know, yeah riding. well i found it funny too that you used to have to buy like a pack of swishers, right? You'd buy a whole pack and you'd have to, you know, you'd have to break them up and, and, and roll the blunt stuff. And then not long after, you know, that industry figured out that, wait a minute, no one's really smoking our cigars. They're just using them to wrap weed in. So then they started making singles, you know, of like wraps. Yeah. And then that whole market came out. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny, man. So I know you said you, uh, maybe you can cut this. I actually realized my computer's not plugged in mm. and it's going to die. I got to go run and grab my, my power cord. Oh yeah, that's cool, man. Do it. Do, do your thing, bro. Go grab it real quick. I can sit here and yap my, my ass off about back in the day, uh, hot boxing. Who remembers hot boxing, by the way? Do you remember hot boxing? Did anybody hot box? Man, we hot boxed the shit out of some cars out of some bathrooms, out of some rooms, out of some closets. That was the business, man. Out of some studios too. Oh man, that was the fun stuff. What is that noise? Is that my dog? I think my dog's trying to come out here. Well, David's grabbing his um, his uh, charger real quick to plug it in. And uh, yeah, for all you for all you potheads out there, man, you know, or ex potheads, or whatever, you know exactly what we're talking about. And I was telling David before. We got started and some of my homies uh, who listen to the show may appreciate this. Um, you know, our old motto, uh, which I became a part of was we don't get high. We stay high. We were just high all the time. And uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Okay. Did you get your, I'm just blabbing away here. Did you get your, yeah, uh, yeah. okay, cool. You got to go. Yeah. All right. Sorry perfect. About that. No, all good, um, bro. Yeah. So, so just to kind of connect the dots on, on how I got into the epigenetics piece, um, my background is actually in music. Um, hmm. You know, I, uh, produce electronic music still went to school for um uh audio engineering did you and recognize was, humans music on the intro uh no I, i'll have to check it. i liked it what uh, yeah i'll have to check it out yeah my my boy robbie um and uh and peter they're from canada and uh they are just it's just the two of them and they have uh humans the group humans and yeah, they got a bunch of good tracks bro definitely check it out I, i'm a yeah. musician myself too we got a lot in common bro so i need to shut yeah. the fuck up and let you talk though so go ahead <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh i i ended up getting hired by this uh medical clinic in mm -hmm. town um to work on some like meditation and uh brainwave entrainment programs like things that are designed to just calm the nervous system and they were looking for you know someone who can produce music and kind of had an interest in the health side of things and right when i uh got hired by them the the so the, the head doctor uh started this training program uh for nutritional genetics and epigenetics um because he had been using this in his clinical practice with his clients um kind of with like the health optimization and wellness piece um you know he was like a real expensive high-end like private concierge type doctor doing really like high-end stuff for yeah. people uh, you know, private, private 
kind of pay stuff. Yeah. And he, and he was getting asked all over the place by, by these other doctors, like, Hey, will you train us how to do this? Um, this is kind of a new technology. There's not anyone teaching this yet. Um, Cause he had been taking just what was coming out of the research labs and okay. starting to see if he could apply it to his, his clients. Uh, and he was, he was having really good success. And so I got hired on to do, to do audio engineering stuff. Okay. And, um, you know, he kind of recognized like, oh, you've been studying like a lot of this biohacking stuff. You already have like a lot of the same information that would, you know, like I would train a coach on. Huh. Uh, and he asked me if I wanted to basically be a beta tester for his training program. Um, nice. And so I went through it. He kind of tested out how to teach it with me and a couple other people working there before he went real public with it. Um, and so now, you know, there's a couple hundred coaches that he's trained worldwide. Um, and I've just happened to kind of be there at the right place, right time. Um, and realize like, oh, I've kind of sponged up all this information. Um, I probably could help some people with it. Yeah. And just yeah, sure. Kind of so, so let's, what is epigenetics? Like, how do you explain what epigenetics is for someone out there listening who has no clue? They've never heard that word before. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, when I was in high school, probably you were in high school biology class, uh, you probably got taught what they call the central dogma of biology, which is genes code for proteins, which code for traits. So like the specific pattern in your DNA, right? Like the arrangement of all these little letters or uh, create like the, you know, the reason why you have certain color hair, hair color, and I have certain color eye color, skin color, like all these things come back to um, the way our DNA uh, is kind of arranged. Mm. And for a really long time, that's what they thought, you know, was the, it was just that, that was it, right? Like you, you're kind of stuck with uh, certain genetic predispositions to diseases or, and you're stuck, you know, basically with what you got. Yeah. And then in the eighties um, they started finding these other layers to this where that wasn't the whole picture. Um, and the science really got interesting in the nineties and, and, you know, two thousands is when it really started to, to come together and take off. So it's really pretty new. Um, but what it, it describes is there's basically this other control layer, um, on top of your DNA that can, allows genes to change their expression over time. Um, and what that might mean is say, uh, you know, if you are um, exposed to certain toxins, like your, your body's going to create inflammation and it does it actually at the genetic level. And, and it's, it's really cool. It's like your body is designed to dynamically respond to all these things in the environment. Like if you're smoking weed every day, your body is going to uh, shift some genes that have to do with your cannabinoid receptors in order to, you know, and that's what tolerance looks like, like, right. Like all oh, of a sudden, like you can just smoke so much more. Yeah. Uh, so much more and what's happening is your body's saying all right we have this this all these you know all this thc coming in all of a sudden we need to shift the function kind of at these underlying levels to make up for that in some ways um and your body does that in response to like almost every single thing you can think of like nutrition stress uh exercise um it, i mean it's like every single aspect of being human has an epigenetic component to it. Um, and it's, and, and, that's, so, and it's constantly fluctuating or, or right. adjusting or adapting to the amount or what is put into your body. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you, and, and you can kind of conceptualize it like each gene that is going to code for, you know, say, uh, you know, a different aspect of your biochemistry, like uh, neurotransmitters or hormones. So like they've basically got these little, like a, like a dimmer switch on it. You can turn it up or down yeah. and your body's just really smart and, and says like, all right, well, you know, it's time to turn it up or down. And so like, this is what um, like trauma and PTSD, that's a big component of that where uh, your body is exposed to a really traumatic event, um, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, we need to be like up and ready for the next time this happens. Yeah. So we're going to pump up the, the stress hormones and the things that are going to keep you on alert. Um, and, you know, and, and it also happens on a daily basis too. Like just um, the way that your body regulates like hormones that help you go to sleep yeah. uh, and help you wake up in the morning. Uh, that's kind of on this epigenetic clock. Um, so you have things that, um, you know, you kind of get shifted overall from the environment. You have things that are just naturally kind of going in cycles and moving back and forth. Um, and then the other piece to it that's really interesting um, is that it can actually be passed from generation to generation. 
Um, there's some, you know, there's a lot of evidence now that um, these epigenetic marks, they're basically these little chemical groups that kind of just get attached on top of your, your DNA, um, uh, can be passed from uh, what they, they've seen in mice up to like 10 generations. Really? So things like, Damn. yeah. Yeah. So like um, trauma, you know, from your grandparents being in World War II or something like that can impact what they they found like stress response. And, and that's actually like part of my story is my my mom's parents were in the Holocaust in concentration camps. Wow. Um, and I'm and like looking at our family dynamic and family history, like you can see some of that stress and anxiety, you know, wow. um, that's kind of reinforced both from like a relational level, like yeah. just the way you react with people. But then also I think, you know, on the biochemical level of like being more prone. So even, so even though, hormone. yeah. And even, so even though that um, you weren't there at that time, what you're saying is, is, you know, through epigenetics or genes or coding, I don't, I don't quite grasp exa- exactly how all that entails, but um that's been that stress. Let's just use stress for an example. That stress could have, or, or has been passed down to you even two, three, and it could be passed down to your kids and so forth, um, through that. Yeah. And there's, there's good studies on it. Like there's, there's good generational yeah. So, studies. Yeah. On. There's facts to back it up and there's mm-hmm. uh, science or whatever. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So I wonder, and I don't want to, I don't want to derail us too much, but in, on this, so I'll just kind of leave it in and feel free to respond. Or if you do want to say something about it, but like the whole alcoholism is a disease type of thing, you know, like I, I wonder if they've ever found that in that, you know, the science behind that, those genes or whatever that comes back around and shows um, similar to what you're talking about, stress or alcohol or whatever. I mean, I know that's a highly debatable subject. I'm not saying either way um, at this time, but um, I don't know. Just something I thought off the top of my head, real quick. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you you know you you got to look at the holistic picture of like what's driving alcoholism, right? Yeah. Like it's that it's uh, there's definitely some genetic predispositions to the way like you metabolize alcohol. Sure. Uh, you know, some, some things like that. Uh, but then at the same time, like, yeah, if you're, if you're someone that, um, is kind of your nervous system's wired to need to need a substance to relax, like you're going to be more prone to seek that out. Um, and like, you know, and they've, and you know, this isn't just with stress, like they found, um, stuff like you, you you can be more prone to diabetes or obesity mm-hmm. um but at the same time you can also be prone to being healthier if your grandparents and great grandparents yeah. were like eating you know just living in in natural rhythms is life and, is lifespan a part of that at all like how, how long people live um i you know i i would imagine so i mean all these mm-hmm. factors are going to impact it to some degree yeah um, true. but you know what what it really like kind of reinforces is like all the you know like the native american and what other wisdom traditions that say like what you do impacts you know seven generations down the road like it really kind of gives the science to that so what about food like how is food a part of a part of uh epigenetics and how does that play a part uh i guess in just a general lifestyle but too if we equate it to someone who's in recovery who's recovering from substance abuse or um, any type of opioid abuse, anything, what, how does nutrition play a, a strong role in that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, your body epigenetically is going to respond to different foods. And when you see people that are gaining weight, losing weight, like there's an epigenetic component to that. And um, from the pr- perspective of recovery, um, you know, I think the goal is, is better self-regulation no matter like what form of recovery you're, you're doing like the, the yeah. more ability to just you know be comfortable with where you're at and you know not have to reach for the more destructive substance to kind of get you there sure. um right um and i think that there's when when you're looking at how food is going to impact um like things like anxiety or uh, inflammation, which is going to just make you not be able to think as well. Um, a lot of what I do with clients is kind of help them see, all right, which of these foods are going to create less inflammation in your body? Which ones are going to create more? And then from an epigenetic perspective, like, can we switch on and off certain genes that we know are going to, um, you know, create better outcomes and give you more, 
um, more energy, more ability to focus on what you're trying to do and where you want to go. Um, so I think, I think it's like, it's like, cause everybody's different, right? Everyone's mm -hmm. makeup is different. Everyone, different culture, different way they grew up, whatever. Um, so something that would work for someone may not work for somebody else at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Let me give you an example. So, uh, and, yeah. and I, I have a call with a client that I'm going to tell him that he shouldn't eat a lot of nuts, mm -hmm. uh, which like people usually think that nuts are, are really healthy. Uh, and for a lot of people, they are a healthy type of fat. Um, but for some people, uh, that can actually cause more inflammation. So it's like knowing those types of little things and, and looking at your genetics is a really great way um, to kind of quickly just get a shortcut to knowing what is going to help help with that. Got it. Um, you know, so how do you, and, how do you look at your genetics? That's something that I'm assuming that you that you help with as a, a mm -hmm. coach. Yeah, so that's um, uh, like uh, there's there's a couple different options out there. I use a private lab to do my testing with, uh, and it's like the, you know there's 23andMe and the big companies out oh, there. Yeah. Um, I don't use them anymore because they sell data to you know, all kinds of pharmaceutical yeah. companies and stuff like that. So we've contracted with the good, private lab good for where you. we like, no data is really secure. <laughs> good for you, David. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's a simple cheek swab test. It's like you just take a, take a little swab, put it in a vial, send it off to our lab. It takes a couple of weeks to get back. And yeah. then, um, you know, basically what it is, is um, we've amassed all this information and this is like the, the doctor that I was talking about. This is kind of his, his, Life, lifetime work. Um, yeah. He's taken all of these studies where they'll take a group of people, say uh, this group of people um, is obese and this group of people isn't, and they'll feed that, put them on the same diet and see what happens and try and isolate certain genes that like are going to cause people to respond differently. Um, and, you know, based on, you know, when you, 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 you can look at, you know, a couple hundred of these things stacked together and get a really good feel for like how the system is wired. And you can look at all, all kinds of stuff that's also really interesting in the recovery area too, yeah. as far as like how your dopamine system is, is wired. Uh, really just through, changing. just through getting those results back, you can break down that, the, the dopamine part of it. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, you can you can look at some genes that like are code for like the dopamine receptors, and like some people are going to be prone to, um, you know, have some less sensitivity there. And you know, when you're in any type of addictive pattern, you're going to continue to increase that dopamine resistance over time. Yeah, and, sure. You know, need more and more, um, but it can give some interesting insights into like, okay, here's here might be some of the reasons why, and here might be some strategies that we can use um, to epigenetically kind of shift the way those receptors are, are functioning a little bit. Huh. Um, so do you, do you have uh, and if you don't mind sharing yourself, like for you, like, what is your, what does your general diet look like? Like what kind of foods do you stay away from? Or do you eat more of that really um, is a good fit for you? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you uh, I'll give you an example for me and my wife because we're pretty different. Oh, and, okay. sure. um, you know, it's a good example of like, you know, actually looking how looking at the genes really can kind of give you insight on, on why, why she was gaining weight while I was losing it, eating a certain way. Um, so I, I tend to do pretty high fat, low carb, um, kind of moderate, lower protein. Um, I, I stay away from gluten, um, more because my wife is really sensitive to it. I'm like, I can handle it, but it's just easier for me not to. Yeah. Um, but you know, for me, I, I one of the biggest shifts was um, uh, really changing my fat intake um, and going more originally with kind of like a keto approach. Um, and and that was kind of the first thing I did back when I was in my mid twenties that really like shifted everything and and yeah. gave me a lot more brain power because um, the keto approach will change the way your body your brain is especially is metabolizing yeah, energy I, I tried the keto and uh i just fucking drank butter coffee all day long <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like one of those things that you know and and i i didn't do it i didn't do it like it was supposed to be done you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and so i think like with that in those things like you really need to follow well, i can't speak for anyone but for myself i really needed to follow um you know specifically what to do 
And I didn't, I didn't do that. And so I didn't see those results. And then you get a lot of people go, well, fucking keto doesn't work. Well, it didn't work for me because I didn't follow exactly what do I just drink a a shitload of coffee with butter in it all day. You know what I mean? That's not going to probably be the most healthy thing for you. So there really is a science into breaking it down, how to make it work for you. Right. Yeah, totally. And it may not be, it may not have been really suited to the way your body's wired. Uh, Like, yeah, that's true. I started I started really getting into the ketos thing and started just making dinners and, you know, food for me and my partner like that all the time. And she, and she started just gaining weight really fast while I was Got like it. getting lean and, and you so know, it wasn't healthy. working for her, but it was working right. for you. Yeah. And she was pissed. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. They do not like, even like we just started, my wife and I started going uh, back to a new gym a couple months ago and she was talking there. She's all, what the hell? You don't even like, it's so easy for you to like, just lose weight and whatever. And I, I don't know if that's a male, female makeup or it's just everybody individually, but yeah, they, they definitely do not like that when, uh, when it works a little bit faster for us and rightfully so, you know? Right. And, and I, I don't think it's a male, female thing. I think it's really pretty individual because I have some clients that mm. are female that will lose weight real fast. And then some males that take a long time. It got it. Got it. So back them. to the genetics and the makeup thing. I mean, that's, it's really going to yeah. depend on that. Yeah. And so just, just to, you know, kind of close that loop. Um, th- this was before I, I started learning about the genetics piece. And mm. then when I was able to look at her genes and my genes, I was like, oh, whoa, this makes a ton of sense. Like you have almost every single marker that would make high fat a really bad idea, you know, like keto, not a good idea for you. So um, now the the game I play is, okay, how can I make meals that I can modify for myself that are also, you know, good for her? Um, But uh, yeah, that's crazy how much, how much that uh, if you don't know that, you know, you think, oh, and I'm just using keto as an example. You could take any of the carnivore diet, whatever diet, you know, there is. Yeah, that, that's great. My buddy over there. Yeah. You know, Mike, he, he lost, uh, you know, 35 pounds and gained a shitload of muscle. And then and then all of a sudden you try it and you're like, what the hell, man, I, I gained 35 pounds and, you know, I didn't get any muscle. And it's just like it's every every person's different. So is and yeah. is that is that the only way to find that out, though, is to do that? um you know, is to do that, that swab and, and get those results. Um, you know, you can always experiment over time, but it's a lot faster to look got at it, got it. Okay. the genetics. Got um, it. Save, save some energy and trouble. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, but you know, for, for me, it's, and really the way I approach it, it's not about like going on a diet. It's just about finding the nutritional style. That's just going to mm-hmm. like work for you over time, you know? And, yeah. and I think that talking about recovery and like just, generating a healthy lifestyle um you know that's just going to be another piece that kind of keeps you in the in the right direction as yeah. far as you know really learning about how you can you know just create those positive feedback loops for yourself and feel good yeah so let's uh let, let's let's kind of transition into this endocannabinoid system if we could um let's uh maybe maybe break down what that is for, yeah, for someone who wouldn't know yes yeah, so um and, and again, this is something that's pretty a new understanding. So, um, you know, the, uh, I always think about how to say this. So cannabinoids are these chemicals that are found both in our bodies, in animals' bodies, and in certain plants, especially the cannabis plant. Uh, you know, they're named after the cannabis plant. Yeah. Um, and the main psychoactive one there is THC is, you know, most of your listeners probably know. Yeah. Uh, and there's all these other ones like CBD and CBN and a lot of ones that are, have some pretty cool research behind them now for treating uh, all kinds of stuff that's not psychoactive. Yeah. Um, and basically what classifies something as a cannabinoid is that it is shaped a certain way as a chemical and it responds to um, these receptors that we have in our body called uh, cannabinoid receptors, similar to how you have serotonin receptors or dopamine receptors. Um, It's just a built-in part of our body. And the really cool thing is that it's this really deep underlying system. Like every single cell in your body has cannabinoid receptors on um, which is one of the reasons why like people say the CBD can treat like every known thing under the sun. Like if you, you know, someone has had success with it yeah. um, because it's so ubiquitous in the body and it's just 
kind of everywhere. Is that true? Um, do you think, I mean, in your opinion or perspective, um, like- I think, I, I don't think that it's a panacea. I think that some people, because of the way their endocannabinoid system wired, it will have good results, but it's, I, I don't think that it works that way for everyone. And certainly the research doesn't support that. Um, like it. there's certain things that, that, uh, like it, it seems to be really pretty good for anxiety. Um, the stress related things seem to be some of the best response. Uh, like the PTSD stuff has pretty good yeah. results on it. Um, there's well, some stuff. For like- well, I'm sorry. I was going to say once again, it just, it, it, it's even back to like the keto thing we were talking about. It's kind of dependent on, on the person in their, their system, their makeup. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so this is an area that I got really super interested in uh, a couple of years ago uh, after I started learning about the nutritional side, I was like, wait a minute, there's research out there on how people's endocannabinoid systems are wired differently. Like uh, that's really interesting to me as a yeah. longtime pothead. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah. Every you know, t- so we, we keep, we keep dropping these little, little hints in here. And every time we, one of us mentions it, I just hear smoke weed every day, like the little sample. Right, yeah. So I might have to plug that in at some point, but I'm sorry, go ahead, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to hear it in the recording. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I started really diving into all the research that's out there and it really turns out that, um, you know, there's, there's these underlying biological differences to why some people are attracted to weed and some people really aren't like, you know, when I was in high school and I would, you know, get certain friends to smoke with me and they're like, they didn't have a good time, didn't really like it. I thought they were just crazy. You know, I, yeah. I didn't get it because I had such a good experience with it. And then it turns out that there's actually a bunch of studies that have looked at like, okay, how do people respond to weed and what is their endocannabinoid system looking like at the genetic level? And um, there's something that they they call it the endocannabinoid deficiency hypothesis, where they're basically saying that like the reason why CBD or, you know, THC or, or other cannabinoids seems to work well for some people is that they're naturally lower in their own endocannabinoids that they produce in their body. Cause we produce, you know, these ones that, you know, they're not psychoactive. They just kind of regulate function in the body. Um, And so there's certain genes you can look at that can help you understand like, you know, are you someone that has higher le- lower levels of endocannabinoids? I have the both variant both gene variants that are associated with lower levels, and it's not surprising to me that you know I've always been attracted to it. Um, but there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, stuff that looks at like how people break it break down THC, and um, you know, some people that are just like super blown open by edibles. Like yeah. it's probably because they just don't break it down as much. And so it builds up in their system much quicker. So, so uh, basically someone who smokes a lot of pot, if they found out they have a low, uh, uh, cannabinoid system, they could, and someone says, well, you smoke too much pot. They could basically say, well, fuck you. I got a low cannabinoid system. That's why I smoke so much pot. Yeah. I mean, I think for some people <laughs> it, it, you know, the, that that's one side of it. And then like you were mentioning, yeah. you know, before, I, I don't know if it was in the earlier recording or this one that's actually been recorded, but yeah. that you felt like you were actually like pretty functional on it. Yeah, totally. Just, yeah. Mow the lawn, do the dishes, go to work, you know, whatever. It was just like the, was what we did, you know? Yeah. And some people, I mean, there's all these studies too, that look at these variants in relation to cognitive function. So like um, there, and I'll give you an example. There's this one gene called COMT, um, that they've studied that seems to impact people's short-term memory after smoking weed by up to 40%, depending wow. on which variant they have. So like 40% is a lot when yeah, you're looking at, at like scores on a test where you have to like remember numbers and letters and that type of thing and, and see how good you are at that. Yeah. Um, so certain people, you know, are going to be more functional and certain people are going to not be able to function well. And so it's this kind of whole big, you know, network. So really, because we, I've always sort of explained as like, oh, you know, like th- that's, this is this strain of weed and, and, and not to say, you know, whether, or whether it's edibles or whatever. So it could be not necessarily the strain. That's some really good, you know, shit or whatever. It's, it's more dependent on the person's system on the high that they're going to get. Is it, 
are they up? Are they able to function? Or some people freak the fuck out. I, I certainly had my fair share of freak out moments too, of just paranoia and I'm way too high right now. I don't like this. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of factors into that, but at the, at the end of the day, it really comes back to your system and how it's built up, which is fucking crazy. I've, I've never thought of them about it from that perspective before. Right. And doesn't it, doesn't it like generate more empathy for the people totally. that you know that don't have good experiences on it? That was yeah. a big wake up for me where I was like, shit, I should not have been trying to get my girlfriend in high school to smoke weed with me all the time. <laughs> yeah. No wonder she freaked out and ran down the street with her shirt. I don't know, whatever, but yeah, <laughs> yeah that's crazy, man. Yeah, totally. And, 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 you know, strain does impact it for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, some people, no matter what strain you give them, they're not going to have a good time. And yeah. then, you know, it's going to, you know, it's a question of what percentage is being impacted by that. Um, so, so you know, what about if we, what about if we take out, um, so let, let's kind of go into like the CBD part of it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's obviously a hot topic right now. Um, if you take out the THC though from from CBD, um, how does that affect the cannabinoid system, and what's kind of the relationship uh, to a person, especially maybe to one who's in recovery who uses CBD? Yeah, I mean, I think CBD is a really good option for people that are looking for something that's that's not addictive and not um, you know non psychoactive. Um, I mean, it's a great thing to substitute if you're just trying to like like have you know smoke something that's enjoyable right? yeah it's relaxed uh, a little bit that kind of likes it yeah um you know cbd is interesting because it's it like so uh thc directly activates the, the cannabinoid receptors Got it. uh cbd is a very very weak uh, activator of them and what it really does more than anything is it kind of boosts your body's own levels of endocannabinoids mm. um which you know you're kind of you're you're getting some of the same functionality like you're activating those receptors but you're kind of doing it in a way that's a little more gentle um right. kind of getting your body to produce more of its own natural kind of thing there so um you know I, I think it's a great option for people that are dealing with anxiety and recovery and uh it's worth trying uh yeah. you know it doesn't work the same way for everyone um but it's you know i, I think it's a pretty powerful tool uh, yeah. especially in the, the anxiety realm. What are, and what is uh, like, I've heard anxiety, depression, I'm just naming off some of the things I've heard that CBD can potentially help with anxiety, depression. Um, I've heard joint pain. Is that, mm -hmm. do you, have you heard anything about joint pain in CBD? Does it help? Are there any studies on that? Uh, it, it can be, uh, I think if it's more a result of like rheumatoid arthritis, where there's more of like an autoimmune thing going on in the body, that might be more, um, more responsive. Um, what about the, headaches? The chronic, yeah. I mean, headaches, uh, I haven't seen any actual studies on it. I've heard a lot of good reports on it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I, well, I share one. Oh, go ahead. I'm but, sorry. Go ahead. You said the main ones. Uh, the main ones I've seen are, uh, anxiety. There's some stuff with like Parkinson's, uh, mm -hmm. obviously like the seizure piece is, is huge for some people. Um, seems to be really effective for certain types of rare seizure disorders. Um, sleep is mm -hmm. some people have really had good, uh, responses with sleep. Um, but it's, it's interesting. It's like, uh, you get, you get a, a bunch of people that say it works really well. And then other people that, that say it doesn't work well for them. So, yeah. but at the same time, it's very low risk, you know, like it's not something that like has a lot of side effects or, um, you know, is going to cause problems. So at the very least, I think it's worth trying. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I, you know, I was going to, I was going to mention like my wife, um, you know, and, and I guess my, my question is, is with this is, is it THC or, or the CBD, um, you know, aspect of it, but she had migraine after she, she had two C-sections with both of our kids. And so after, after our first daughter was born, um, is really when she started getting really, really bad migraines, you know, mm -hmm. and this went on for years. And so the doctor of course, um, prescribed her, you know, Percocet, that kind of stuff. And it just would mess her up for days, you know what I mean? To get sick and she hated taking it and stuff. And as soon as she, she got a little, a little pen, a little vape pen, and she starts smoking a little bit when it, when that came on and 
Now it's not like magic where it would just magically go away, but it relieved it and it never got to the point where she would be hemped up for, you know, a day, two days and having to take these opiates just to deal with the pain, you know? So we've had some firsthand experience with it helping her, which is, um, and I think that's, I think kind of what this has been an ongoing thing throughout, throughout this conversation is like what works for someone may not work for somebody else. So it's really up to you doing the homework and the research and finding guys like you who coach people in this kind of stuff, um, to help give them the, the information that they need to make the best decision. Totally. And, and like, you know, I think it's a question too of like, um, you know, how motivated are you are to take it to the next level? Like, like for example, with nutrition, like there's going to be basics that are going to apply to everyone, right? Like yeah. just eat, eat, eat whole foods, eat, eat fruits and veggies, uh, you know, stay away from processed food and McDonald's and that kind of stuff. And like, yeah. that's the basis. Like if you're doing that, you're like better than like 90% of people out there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you're still having issues or you're like, all right, now that I'm like sober, I wonder what I'm capable of. Like if you see that as something that you could utilize as kind of like a jumping off platform, then like, yeah, there's, there's room to grow and there's room to experiment and really sure. see what, what the potential is. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. I'm looking at the time now. What do you got about seven minutes left? I got 10, four, 10. Uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. 10 or not 10 minutes, a little less than 10 minutes, but, um, okay, cool, man. So, um, well, let me stop right there. Did we miss anything in those two real quick? And I know we're trying to stuff a ton of information into 50 minutes and maybe, you know, we'll have to definitely connect again and maybe we can do a part two of this. Cause I, there's so much stuff here that this is impossible to even scratch the surface of it in an hour. Um, yeah, we can get, we can go deeper and, and get granular on some stuff yeah. for sure. Be yeah. That, that'd be awesome. Um, what, uh, is there anything that we missed maybe in the epigenetics or the uh, endocannabinoid that you wanted to point out or anything before we kind of get to the work you're doing, where folks can find you at all that good stuff? Yeah. I mean, I really want to kind of come back to, I suppose, like it's not the substance itself. It's, it's how you're using it. Um, and just kind of hammer that one home. I, I get, I guess a bit more because, you know, I'm sure you've talked about it on the show before that, you know, just about anything can be addictive and it's a question of like, is it actually causing a problem Yeah. for you? You know? Um, and I think the, the, the cannabis piece is like such a strong example of that. Like how, you know, for me or, or other people that have found like, okay, this is, this is actually not functional versus it can be a real medicine for some people. Like yeah. I have someone that I'm really close to who uses it to manage seizures and like that's you, you can watch them stop wow. when you know it's 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 remarkable. Yeah. Um so you know I think uh you know everyone's journey is a little bit different and it's it's nice to to kind of get the the objective data on like okay what are the the underlying biological things that I can do to support me on that journey. Yeah. That's uh, good. You know, it's so, yeah, I, enjoy yeah, I love it, man. Every, every, this is a really good point, dude. Like everyone is on their own journey. There's no, um, you know, no need to judge, no need to worry about, you know, other people, how, why they're doing this, how they're doing that. And I think like, um, for me, once I started to get a, an understanding of that, and it only happened when I got sober because obviously a lot of things started to change. Um, life became a lot easier too, you know, and, and I think to your point, you know, it is, it's really about intention. Are you using, whether it's CBD with no THC or whether it's, you know, weed for seizures or edibles, whatever it is, um, what's the intention of that? Are you using it to get high and escape or using it for a medicine? You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of just like same with opiates. I mean, people have to use opiates they have severe injuries, um, you know, burn victims, back pain, all that stuff. What's your intention? Is it for pain? Um, or is it just to, just to get high? So to, to bring that back, it's not so much about the substance. It's about the person and, and where, um, you know, or, or why we're using what we're using. And, and even back to the beginning of the conversation, you started to un uncover these things on why you were smoking the copious amounts of, of bud that you were doing. And that was really where the answer lied in. So uh, really interesting stuff, man. Yeah, man. And, and I think, uh, you know, I, I don't want to um, ignore the, the big picture too is, and, and we touch on it a bunch of times here is that uh, you know, it's really about 
getting real with yourself and and like sure. really discovering like who what's my most authentic expression right and it's yeah. like you can do all the the nutrition and and supplements and and all that stuff but if you're not really addressed in the underlying emotional piece like uh, that's that's really where the juice is, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of that, for me, came back to personal responsibility, like, mm-hmm. and, and I know that, you know, that could be a debatable, um, you know, phrase or whatever when you're talking about someone who's extremely addicted to, let's say, like, heroin or something, like, it's, I, I understand that, so there's definitely issues with that. I'm not undermining any of that, but at the end of the day, you know, we have a choice to make. What kind of life do we want to lead? What kind of food do I want to put in my body? What kind of exercise do I want to get, you know, from drugs, alcohol, all that stuff. At the end of the day, it really starts, uh, starts with us, man. So where can, uh, where can folks find you at? Like, tell, tell me a little bit about, um, about your platform, your coat, your, your, uh, coaching business, how you help people, uh, whatever you want, man, Instagram, uh, Facebook, whatever you got. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my website is, uh, david-krantz, K-R-A-N-T-Z.com. And uh, people can go there, check out. I've got some articles on um, nutritional genetics and I've got a whole hour presentation people can watch on the endocannabinoid system and some of the genetics involved with that. Um, and I also do free 30 minute consultations for anyone that's interested. Um, you know, if you're in recovery and curious about uh, how you can optimize your nutrition and really kind of hone in on the things that you can do to, um, you know, get to where you want to be, uh, happy, happy, have a conversation and, and see if I can, I can help you. Um, and other than that, I'm on Instagram, uh, at whole systems health is my handle there at whole H W H O L E systems, Mm -hmm. whole systems health systems health. I'm just putting these notes in because I'm going to make sure guys that I have these in the show notes too. So if you just want to click on them, you're able to do that uh, as well. David, man, it's been a pleasure, bro. Like, man, I, I, I feel like we got some good stuff in under an hour or a little under an hour, but at the same time, man, there's so much stuff to this. So we'll definitely keep in touch and, uh, and, and reconnect back and, and maybe do another episode, uh, in a, in a month or a couple months or something, maybe in the that fall. That sounds great to me. We'll, yeah. we'll, uh, shoot around some topic ideas and cool. Get a little more focused. Sounds great. Yeah. Really yeah, conversation. Right on, man. Thanks, bro. Uh, yeah, check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Connect with us on Instagram at Real That Sober Guy. Uh, on uh, Twitter at Shane Raymer. Uh, once again, that's David Krantz.com. Uh, David Krantz.com. And uh, David, man, thanks again, bro. It's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, absolutely. We gotta go. To keep my head on straight. You still say that I don't know anything about you. Oh, I don't know anything about you. But I know what you do in the back room. And you still say that I don't know anything about you.